0: Well, what is up, you guys? Pastor Chris here from the Harbor. I cannot believe we're already in episode three of the Continuing the Conversation podcast. And I'm grateful, I'm honored that you would be listening today from wherever you're listening, whether that's in your car, in your apartment or house, in Starbucks or local coffee shop, wherever you are at today, I am thrilled that you are joining me on this journey as we continue the conversation. Well, we are going to pick up on part three of really a four-part series or or uh, a four-part talk, collection, whatever you want to call it um and we're in part 3 of that and we've been talking about what the harbor is that it's a place that you come to so we're going to continue in that today with part 3 of a par- four, four part four part series i can't talk that's great um <laughs> not good when you're recording but four part series talk on the harbor is a place to come to. So here we go. Part four. Let's do this together. Well, we have been in a discussion, a series a collection discussing that the harbor is a place that you come to and so i want to pick back up on this idea as we've been episode to episode building upon that idea and so in our first episode just to kind of recap uh if you this is your first time listening i suggest going to listen to the other two episodes but if you didn't listen to those two episodes i want to recap for us what we discussed the last two episodes, just very briefly in a one sentence, one point uh, uh, summary. We talked and discussed that the Harbor is a place that you come to, to connect to Christ. It's a place where you connect in community. It's about understanding who you are when you come to the Harbor, that you are a person in Christ who is convinced of Jesus's love. You're changed because of Jesus's love, and you're a communicator of Jesus's love. And so again, I want to build off of those ideas and discuss looking at Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going to be for this episode. And we're going to start in verse 12. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. And again, as I mentioned in the last episode, make sure that if you're driving, you're just listening to the scripture. You're not pulling out your Bible or pulling out your phone and following along. Just listen to the scripture. And if you are and have the capability to follow along in scripture, I would suggest doing so, circling certain things, highlighting certain things. And we're going to take this and discuss how we as a body an organism, not just an organization that is the harbor, but an organism that is the harbor. How do we use the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us as a body? And so we're going to look at this specific part of scripture found in a letter to the Corinthian church from Paul. And this is what it says, starting in verse 12. It says this, Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I think it's great that we start talking about this language and this illustration, this imagery that we are a body. We are an organism. We're a living organism. That is the harbor. That is a really tied to a larger organism, which is Bay Hope Church, which is tied to a denomination, which is tied to the Protestant church, which is tied to the universal church, right? We're a part of a body. Now, being a part of a body sometimes comes with the body it's pain it comes with its growth and oftentimes that growth that maturing process or i should say the match maturation process that's probably a better grammatical line of thinking there it sometimes is painful it hurts you know there was a time in my life i remember um Growing into maturity, again, not just physiologically growing into maturity, because we oftentimes associate maturity with the physiological response that our body puts us through. When we go through puberty, right? But I, I probably should mention that just because you physiologically go through a change in growth does not mean that you're mature, right? Right. You can try to go through emotional maturity as you grow and are challenged in your thought processes, your life, your behavior changes, that's that can be a growing, painful process. But I remember the moment of maturity when it hit me into be getting to be and realizing what it means to be an adult. Now I was 15 years old, I had my first job ever, ever, I signed all this paperwork. It was really, really cool. I was like, great. I'm 15. I have a job. And my first job was to clean, set up, tear down, clean, set up, tear down, repeat, repeat, repeat all of the inflatables, right? That we use as human beings, whether that was a um, you know, a bounce house or a slide or a water slide. My job as a 15 year old after school, every day, after I got out of high school, OJT, I we go. Uh, and, and I would walk, I would blow it up. I'd wash it off. I'd clean it off. I'd tear it down, roll it back up so that when the weekend came that the people that set those up, that they were clean or ready to go. That was my whole responsibility. Uh, in fact, I did get the opportunity once, uh, in sometime in the evening i can't remember if it was like a weekend or a weekday but i do remember uh getting an opportunity to go set up one of those massive tents for a car dealership you know the white ones and i remember having to drill into the asphalt um and and, and knock in these big massive like uh pop you know pylons and 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 huge, i mean it's just crazy uh it was so hot <laughs> like i just remember that um but all that to say, this was my first job, and I remember getting my first paycheck. And I was joyful. I was excited. I'd kind of done the calculations in my head about what the hourly rate should be at the end of this, like the total of that, what I should be getting. And I remember uh, calling my dad, and I was like, listen, I got my first paycheck. And uh, I just remember like him kind of like I could feel this like – sense of, oh yeah, yeah, right. Like he knew what was coming. I did not know what was coming at that point, but he knew what was coming. And if you've ever held a job, right, you know, this massive disappointment, which leads to maturity. I opened up the check. I'm excited. And then there it is. The disappointment that hits us all taxes, all of the taxes that were taken out of my paycheck. Social security. What is social security? Like a 15. I didn't know what this was. I'm like, social security? Am I ever going to see this money back? Right? Maybe you feel that way already. You're like seeing all these taxes. You're like, where does this go to? Uh, but I was super disappointed. I was super disappointed. It was a massive disappointment. And I remember for that first time going, ah, this is what it's like to start to grow into maturity, to understand there's going to be things in my life that are painful and taxes is going to be one of them. Uh, We're doing all this hard work to get paid and then realize that a lot of that money is going to go to pay for other things, which again, some of that's great. I'm not here to knock taxes, right? I'm not here to knock any of that stuff. That's politics. That's why you vote for certain politicians. That's why you, uh, want to be, you know, and help to try to get taxes down, you know, whatever. I'm not here to, to, to to defend that or to bash that. I'm just telling you that that's how I started the process of maturity. I I realized real quick, wow, this is, this is life and it's tough work. It was really hard for me because it showed me It allowed me to see that I have so much more to learn, so much more to grow in, so much more to accomplish, so much more to understand about myself at that time. The good thing is, is that we together, when we meet together on a Tuesday night or we meet together in our our, our community group, which, by the way, next Tuesday here at the Harbor is community group sign up night. It's my favorite night of the year of the semester, really, we have two, um, is my favorite night because it allows us to connect in a deeper sense of community. But uh, walking through that together in community allows us to understand that we still as individuals need to grow and mature together collectively. It allows us in the individual standpoint to understand that we need to look introspectively on ourself, as well as an organism, a body of people coming around the commonality of Christ and growing, spurring each other on towards a mature relationship with Jesus. And while maturity is painful at times, while growth is difficult at times, it allows us To understand that we have much more to learn, much more to understand about ourselves and about the collective nature of us as an organism, as an organization. And this leads me to a point that I wanna kind of dive off from that our maturity leads us to diversity. Our maturity leads us to diversity now i'm not specifically talking about socioeconomic diversity within an organism or organization albeit that is important that we recognize different socioeconomic levels that each individual has why because we are called collectively to take care of each other we're called to do that as a body as a community so I'm not specifically when I'm talking about diversity in this instant and talking about the socioeconomic diversity of the organization or organism. I'm not also talking about the ethnicity in diversity. Again, albeit that is important. We are to recognize and understand that the diversity from an ethnic standpoint allows us to communicate the goodness of Jesus by showing a united front in our humanity. And so that is important. It's good to be a testament and a testimony to an outside world looking in that we are diverse ethnically. We're diverse socioeconomically. That we're, this is not diversity in, in regard to gender. Albeit that's important as well, to be diverse, that there's multiple people, whether male or female, that are gifted to lead and to help us understand. We're going to talk about how the gifts play out in a few minutes. But I want us to understand that the diversity we're talking about and the diversity that Paul is talking about in this instance, while he illustrates it and uses the illustration of the body, what he's wanting the church of Corinth to understand, and what I think we need to understand when it comes to this verse regarding the harbor, regarding the church at large, is that each of us has has gifts we have spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us when we come into a relationship with him and when he indwells himself into us as we are now the temple of the Lord. He allows us gifts to help both inside the walls of the organization as well as outside the walls of the organization. And we understand that we As a diverse population of gifts exist, these gifts in and of themselves are not to bring glory to us because the head of the body is Jesus Christ. All of the gifts we use, the diversity of the gifts, points to the glory and the edification of Jesus. And so the mark of maturity is understanding both individually and collectively, that there are diverse gifts. And it's how we use these gifts, how we utilize these gifts that Jesus has given each and every one of us to allow us to grow individually and collectively. We should be maturing in Christ individually. We should be maturing in Christ collectively. We should be growing in and understanding of who Jesus is and his nature from Genesis as God, Yahweh, to Jesus in the New Testament gospels, to his resurrection and ascension, therefore bringing the Holy Spirit and the rest of the books of the New Testament. I love what Warren Rearsby says about maturity, that we should be growing in maturity. Here's what he says. Warren Rearsby, Rearsby is an author Incredible man of God, he says, as one of the marks of an individual's maturity is a growing understanding of and an appreciation for his own body. There is a parallel in the spiritual life. As we mature in Christ, we gain a better understanding of the church, which is Christ's body. The emphasis in recent years on body life has been a good one. It has helped to counteract the wrong emphasis of individual Christianity that can lead to isolation from the local church. I love that he points out individual Christianity. And I think it was two weeks ago we did discuss, or two episodes ago, we did discuss Lone Ranger Christianity. God has not called us to be Lone Rangers in this thing. We're called to be in community with other like-minded individuals that are Christ followers. That is the point of the church. That is the point of the organization, organism. And so when we isolate ourselves, as Lone Ranger Christians, which by the way, I should point out that as a millennial, this was very prevalent when I was in undergrad. This was very prevalent in my generation of, I don't need the church. I love Jesus. That's it. I don't need the church. And I think that's a false premise that we live on because we do need the church. We need the other gift sets that we don't have. We have to have that. That's the, that's the beauty in this is that we need these things, right? And I think oftentimes that, that thinking of, I don't need the church. I just love Jesus. I don't need the church. I think it isolates us to the point where if we're not careful, the enemy uses that isolation to get to our head and to get to our heart about, about matters of the church, right? Recognizing that like, ultimately the church In and of itself, people of the church are not perfect, but we serve a perfect God who is Christ. Caroline Tennant, she's the author of Catch the Wind of the Spirit. She talks about this illustration of the body as well, specifically when it comes to the gifts. She says this, if we want a strong body, we have to be willing to minister to each other practically, lovingly, And supernaturally, we should long to receive these things and to place ourselves regularly in the church work and services so we can all do this. It's a powerful give and take that the Lord designed as a church body, as an organization, as an organism, as a sub-point ministry of a larger entity that is the church. Bay Hope Church specifically, the harbor, is a place where our maturity leads us to diversity. Our understanding that our gift set is not for our own self, but for the edification of the rest of the body of the church and as well as Christ. And Paul is wanting to encourage these Corinthians that there can be unity without uniformity. That it isn't so much about the noticeable traits of our physical being, but the the diverse traits of our spiritual being that makes up the body. So when we come to this place, that is the harbor, we we are recognizing that as communicators of Jesus's love, we each have a role to play in this thing. So I want to unpack for a minute, I want to parse out, and to make a bit more clear, the differentiations between the gifts of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, and the five-fold ministry gift sets of the Spirit. So I first want to look at the gifts of the Spirit. So to help us understand a little bit better that the gifts are given, it is something that when you and I come into the fold of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit gives each and every one of us a gift. So let's look at them together. I'm going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse, verse 4. This is what it says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. And to another, faith by that same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of One and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So in case we kind of got lost in me reading that, I want to go through the nine things, uh, nine gift sets that are in this list found in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse four. Here are the nine. You can write this down if you would like. Again, if you're driving, I'll suggest it may go back and listen to it. Here's the 9 from 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 4. Wisdom, word of knowledge, increased faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. This is Paul's list to the Corinthians. He wants them to know that each have a gift from the Holy Spirit, that there is a diversity of gifts, and so we have to treat these gifts equally within each other. Now, you may be wondering, wait, Chris. Okay, here are the gifts of the Spirit. They're a gift given. Think about Christmas time or your birthday. You're given a gift from a particular person. That's that's something given. And you may be wondering, well, what about the fruits of the Spirit? So I want want to help us understand the fruits of the Spirit first, uh, or second. First, understanding that there is a difference between the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit. Again, gifts are given, whereas the fruits of the Spirit are something that we should be practicing collectively within our individuality. We all need to grow in faithfulness. We all need to grow in generosity. We all need to grow in self control. These fruits are something that we produce. Whereas a gift is given, the fruits of the Spirit are something that we produce when we're planted into the things of Jesus. And so we need to produce self control. We need to produce peace. We need to produce joy. We need to produce kindness. We need to produce generosity. We need to produce self-control. <laughs> I would argue we—that's the fruit that needs to be bigger than all of them right now. <laughs> we have to produce these things, and we produce them because we're planted in the person of Jesus. These are things we produce, or as a gift, is something that's given. Our maturity leads us to diversity with the gifts of the Spirit. Our maturity leads us to diversity and understanding that the the fruits are something we produce. So listen to Ephesians 4 here as we shift to the fivefold ministry gifts of the Spirit. So we have the gifts of the Spirit as far as uh, some, some of us have wisdom, word of knowledge, increased faith, healing, Miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, interpretation. You may have one of those. And then you have this, the fruits of the Spirit, which is joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those we have to produce. Now, there is, again, a list found in Ephesians 4, starting in chapter, or Ephesians 4, starting in verse 11, where it's the fivefold ministry gift sets. Let's listen to what this says. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. Here we go. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in knowledge of the Son of God and become more mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we mature even more in Christ, as we start to produce the fruits of the Spirit, As we start to use the gift that God has given us through the Spirit, we recognize that we have a ministry gift. And again, here's a list for you, and I'll go through it. Christ gave apostles. This is someone who likens to a pioneer, they're a builder of the church. They get excited about new initiatives in the church. They like these things. <laughs> I'm this. I, I, I enjoy new initiatives. I enjoy starting new things. I enjoy building the church. Now, when I say the church, I don't mean the building necessarily. I mean the people in the church. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy, you know, making sure that we have programs that can help people grow and mature in their faith. I enjoy starting new Bible studies. I enjoy starting and seeing the work of community groups expanding. More community groups happen throughout. I enjoy those things. I will say I have to be careful though. And I think most people that find themselves in this place of apostleship, and I don't mean apostleship in this and like the disciples. I think there is a differentiation. I don't have time to get into that, but for people who like to start this church planners. I think we have to be careful though, to not have spiritual ADD when it comes to leading the church, building of the church. And I am guilty as charged with that. I heard a pastor say the other day, Hey, our goal is to be a window for Christ, not a painting for Christ. We're a painting. We point to ourselves, but when we're a window, people are able to see into our life. So I'm just being a window here. I want you to see into the things of Jesus and me. Sometimes those things are flawed and that's why Jesus is good. But there's apostles. Christ gives prophets. These are some who give direction and correction. These people tend to recognize the calling of others and they call that out as well as helping them, uh, who they call out in that calling to give them guidance and to help. There's evangelists. These are people who are very strong in providing a witness and a passion to leading people to Jesus. There are pastors and shepherds. These are individuals who are faithful as caregivers. They are constantly guiding others in growth, constantly caring for the people. And then finally, there's teachers. These are individuals who are well-versed in information, and they like to use that information, specifically scripturally, for writing, developing curriculum, and for lecturing. Now, if you're unfamiliar with these and you're curious which of this gift set you have, I would probably say you're going to have multiple, but there's going to be one that leans higher than the other. You can go to www.gifts-test. That's G-I-F-T-S-T-E-S-T dot com. You can go to that and that'll help you kind of discover which one you are. And so there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now I should mention that as a pastor in a vocation, that I think what we've done with the church now, again, I'm talking about the organization, not necessarily the organism, what we've done in the organizational aspect of the church is we have, as people, we have dismissed our role in playing out these five full of giftings. And what we have done is we have placed all the five of these roles on the very vocational pastor that is a part in leading the church. And typically that's the person who is preaching and teaching every Sunday or leading the financial meetings or leading whatever whatever uh, committee meetings there are. And I think we've made a grave mistake in thinking that, well, the pastor is supposed to be all of this. And I use pastor not in the sense of as a faithful caregiver as what one of these fivefold is. I use it as a term as the leader of the church, of that specific organization. And we've said and we've, we've, we've given up our right to be apostle or a prophet because we say, well, the pastor should be this. And in turn, by not exercising these things out, I feel like what we have done and I believe what we have done by releasing our responsibility in this gift is we've become spiritually lazy and obese individuals. I'm curious of why new data says that we as a culture have a biblical literacy rate through the roof. Because we've delegated our own individual responsibility of reading scripture, understanding it, to the pastor feeding me what I should be fed. And we have come to a spiritual buffet on Sunday morning. And if the pastor doesn't fulfill one of these roles, we are super disappointed, super disheartened, super discouraged. And so we say, well, we cannot be a part of this organization called the church in a local form, because the pastor, we're, we're putting so much pressure on a pastor to perform these gifts. Now, what I'm not wanting to say, as a pastor myself, please don't hear me complain about this. Pastors that are leading over a specific church are, yes, held to a higher standard of leadership. Scripture is very clear about this. However, in that, If we are a community of people, we have to recognize that me as a pastor leading the harbor and any other pastor that's leading an organization called the church, we cannot dismiss our responsibility as people and expect things are going to be good and expect that we're going to grow and mature in faith. Because at the end of the day, me as a pastor in a vocational ministry, my pastor who oversees Bay Hope Church, his pastor, other pastors, they are one part of the body, one. And what we've done is we've made that pastor the head. And might I remind us that the pastor that is at the pulpit every Sunday or Wednesday or whatever the the church gathers, That pastor is not the head of the church. They may be the head of the organization, but they are not a head of the church as an organism. They are one part of the organism. The head of the church, the head of the body of believers only resides in one individual and that individual is Jesus Christ himself. So please, if you're going to a church currently, if you're a part of a church currently, if you're very active in a church currently, please, please do not give up your right. Do not give up your calling to live out one of these fivefold ministry gift sets. We have these gift sets as a part of the body of Christ. As we use these gifts, look what it says. It says, may it may be built up. This is the church. Until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of Son of God and become what? Mature, attaining to the whole measure of Christ. As we mature, as we grow, we recognize we need other individuals that have different gifts, both five-fold ministry gifts that have different gifts of the Spirit when it comes to prophecy, words of knowledge. We need other people to help us see what it looks like to produce the fruits of the Spirit, to help spur us on to maturity, to have more joy, to have more peace, to have more kindness, to have more gentleness, to have more self-control. We need these people because they are a part of the body so that we as individual Individuals can grow and mature as well as collectively we can grow and mature. We recognize that the diversity of the gifts is not just physiological as a body, but it is spiritual. We're to use these things. Why? Because the harbor is a place where you can connect to Christ. It's a place where you connect into community to realize that you are convinced of Jesus's love, changed by Jesus's love. You're a communicator of Jesus's love, which allows us as individuals to understand that our maturity leads us to diversity. And that is a good thing collectively. Our maturity leads us to diversity. Well, that was part three of our discussion on the harbor is a place you come to. And I want to kind of touch base a little bit on those scriptures. Um, And the only reason I'm going back to those scriptures is because maybe you're aware, maybe you're unaware about those verses, but there is disagreement on those verses regarding the church. Um, There is a group of individuals who theologically think that the spirit is not moving that way anymore. And that reasoning comes from the thought that because the scripture, the canon of scripture is closed, the spirit doesn't work that way anymore. And so it worked in Bible times, because the scripture was not closed, but the scripture is closed now. The canon of scripture is closed, and therefore uh, the gifts of the spirit, the, the gifts of the fivefold ministry, are no longer relative to the church today. Now, this view is called cessationism. It's a view that is uh, held in predominantly what we would call in this, the sect of the church, uh, Calvinism. Now, there may be a differentiation in that. If there is a massive differentiation, um, I'm not aware of it. It seems very thin, the differentiation. Nevertheless, on the opposite end of cessationism is a new movement that I also believe is not accurate to Scripture. And so that new movement is called the New Apostolistic Reformation. Now this is a movement um, that comes out of predominantly Pentecostal denominations, charismatic movements, and they've diverged from traditional Pentecostalism and charismatic theology. Now I'm not gonna go into all of that stuff, um. as far as like unpacking all of, of that. Uh, but they believe that there is a restoration of some of the lost offices of church governance, mainly the offices of the prophet and the apostle, which are a part of the fivefold ministry gift sets. Now you have these two bookends and I can understand why cessationism is a thing, because you have an abuse of what seems like the abuse of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit through a movement like the NAR. Now, keep in mind, I, I, as I analyze these movements with scripture, please hear me say that I love these people dearly and they have some solid arguments to why they believe what they believe as far as theologically go. I I would say that a conversation like this is not a primary conversation. I would argue that it's not even a secondary conversation, that it really is a tertiary issue and not a primary or secondary issue when it comes to christianity when it comes to the church so the reason why i don't necessarily see cessationism as a claim that can hold strength and again you can disagree with me on this i'm fine with contention if you believe that that the holy spirit doesn't work in these ways anymore because of the closing of the canon One of the reasons I hold to this is, first and foremost, if gifts are no longer available, then we should just take this part of the Bible out. Now, you may say, well, I don't know if that's accurate. But I would say, well, if you don't believe the gifts of the Spirit exist, then we don't need to read about it. We don't need to read about the gifts of the spirit. We don't need to be encouraged by Paul to understand how the body works, specifically within the organization and organism of the church. And so I just, I don't necessarily buy that we should cut these things out, especially if it's closed canon. If it's closed, do we really think that this doesn't apply? so i have a hard time with that now there may be some argumentation of why somebody thinks that's statements ridiculous okay again i'm i'm for conversation and so if that doesn't apply the second thing is specifically in 1st corinthians 14 where it says pursue love desire the spiritual gifts and then he goes on paul says but especially that you may prophesy So again, if the gifts have been taken away, the closing of the canon, we just take it out. Don't read it. Don't teach from it. I would also probably say, even though, again, taking all that stuff out may sound ridiculous, my biggest contention is, okay, if the gifts have ceased, What gifts have ceased? If you're going to say healing has ceased, prophesying has ceased, speaking in tongues has deceased, how did you decide these things? How did you get to this point? So does the gift of teaching then become less supernatural? What about the giftings of administration? Do those become less important? because they're less supernatural? I don't, I don't know if that is a reality. Now, again, I understand the slippery slope of what is happening in the new Apostolic Reformation, where there's, it just seems like there's no scriptural boundaries when it comes to speaking in tongues and prophesying, no interpretations needed. God is still a God that is organized. He is not a God of chaos. And so I don't necessarily buy that either on that side of the bridge. And so when it comes to these verses that we read in 1 Corinthians 12 and we read in Ephesians 4, I do believe they do exist. I do believe that there's order with these things. And that, that's part of the body is to keep accountable that these gifts are still being used appropriately not to gain power or prestige for their own individual. So that's kind of where I'm landing on that subject. If you, Again, if you disagree, if you want to add to the conversation, I would love that. You can email me at csteven, that's S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at bayhope.com. Talk about it in your community groups. Talk about it with your friends. Hey, what's what's your thought on the gifts of the Spirit continuing? I mean, Paul does say these things will continue until perfection comes, until Jesus comes back. How do we contend with that scripture with this stuff? I'd. It would be great if you continued this conversation with people. So if anything, regardless of what you agree or disagree on this subject matter, the point is to continue the conversation, to continue to dive into Scripture, to continue to dive into the things of Christ as we mature in who He is. So I hope that was helpful. And if it wasn't, again, I would love to hear from you as we continue conversation. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor. Hey, we will see you next time. Next episode, same time, same location. You can listen to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you're listening from. Love you. We will see you next time on the Harbor Continuing the Conversation podcast. I'm out.